Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for the opportunity we have to sing praise to You. We thank You for Your grace and mercy to us. We thank You for Your kindness. We thank You, Lord, for the opportunity we have to sing praise because You have saved our souls. And we thank You, Lord Jesus Christ, for being the shepherd of those who believe in You. We pray that today you might help us as we come to your word, that we might have attention and focus, that we might hear what you have to say to us from these eternal words of the Lord Jesus Christ, truths that last. May we live our lives on these truths. May we count our future on these truths. And at the deepest, darkest discouragements of our life, may we hang on to these truths and believe them. We pray, Lord, for Vacation Bible School coming up this week. We pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified. We thank you for all of our workers who are willing to come and sacrifice. And for the boys and girls who come and for these many, many years, many opportunities we've had to share the gospel in this way. We pray that you might be pleased with what we do and that you'd bless it to the glory of God as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with these boys and girls and touch the families of those um, whom they are associated with. Now, Lord, open our our eyes and our minds to your word. May we truly have ears to hear today what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see every one of you today. We're glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you. John chapter 10 is where I'd like for you to find your place in God's Word. If you have not been with us here for some time, we've been walking through the Gospel of John, looking at these many, many times. Jesus Christ said over and over, truly, truly, I say to you, throughout, and all of these words are recorded in the Gospel of John. So you'll remember that John was one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. He was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there with him. Every day he heard these words, And he recorded them for us so that we can hear these words also in our generation. I'm glad for many of our boys and girls to be in here because our boys and girls are getting to hear some of these uh, words for the first time. And they will be words that they'll cherish and live on for all of their lives. And so today we look at a, a very important truth that comes from John chapter 10. These are famous words, perhaps uh, one of the more famous of the of the sections that talk about truths that last. As we consider today that Jesus Christ is the shepherd of all those who believe. And so John chapter 10 is where we'll be this morning. We'll also, boys and girls, we're glad you're here. If you're with your moms and dads, your grandparents, uh, make sure you have your Bible. We keep them open. We're going to be looking today at a number of verses in John chapter 9 and John chapter 10. They go together. We must look at them together in order to understand them. So I'll begin reading just for the sake of time. Uh, What I want to remind you of is the words of Jesus Christ today. These truly, truly words are focused on Jesus' discussion with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time. Those who were given responsibility to, as uh, as they were called, to be the shepherds of God's people Israel. And so Jesus is speaking to them as a result of healing a man who had been born blind. You would think that such an amazing miracle would cause 
those who do not believe in Jesus, who did not believe in Jesus, to believe in Him. But it did not change their opinion. They were blinded. They were spiritually blind in unbelief. And that continues to be the issue today for those who will not be saved and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are experiencing spiritual blindness. Well, this amazing miracle takes place on the Sabbath day. That uh, stirs up these religious leaders who had a misunderstanding of what the Sabbath day was all about anyway. And so we come to these words and we'll just read for the sake of time. Again, when Jesus says here, I'm beginning to read in John 10, 7. So Jesus said to them, the them here are the Pharisees. Those who were supposedly the religious leaders of uh, the children of Israel. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, religious leaders, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Again, verse 9, I am the door. I am the door. I'm repeating it. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. First, I am the door of the sheep. Second, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our focus today, my focus and my comments, there are many things we could look at in these words and spend a lot of time on these words as we could in any part of Scripture. But my focus today is on this, that Jesus Christ is the shepherd. He is the spiritual shepherd of those who believe in Him. Jesus Christ is the shepherd of those who believe in Him. I wonder today... Do you know what it is like to be spiritually blind? Uh, I would believe that uh, in this room we all can see physically. But do you really understand? Have you ever thought much about what it means to have spiritual blindness? How interesting it is that as we share the gospel and missionaries go and we preach and we do this generation after generation... As we wait on Jesus Christ to return to this world, we go and we do our work of sharing the gospel. You share the gospel with your neighbors. You share the gospel with your friends. By the way, sharing the gospel includes this, that you use the words Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Jesus Christ was buried. <clears throat> Jesus Christ rose again the third day according to the scriptures and appeared to many. Sharing the gospel means sharing the name Jesus Christ with your friends. You leave it with them to decide what they believe. But you've not shared the gospel if you do not speak 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection from the dead. That is at the heart of the gospel. Well, it's interesting as we share the gospel, some people have no interest in it. They have no idea about it. You see, spiritual blindness is all around us. Spiritual blindness exists in your family and among those you work with. Spiritual blindness exists among the youngest children and amongst teenagers and students uh, who, are in, uh, who are working in young age and, uh, and perhaps going to school. It's uh, spiritual blindness is, is experienced among young adults with their families and who are busy at work and median age adults and senior adults. Spiritual blindness. It is this inability to see, which means to believe, in Jesus Christ. Well, we've had this, uh, we've had this discussion going on. I'm laboring to remind you of this because this is the focus of John's gospel. From chapter uh, 1 all the way through chapter 12. First of all, the Lord Jesus presents Himself to His glorious person. He presents Himself as Messiah to His own people, the children of Israel. And for the most part, they reject Him. They have spiritual blindness. They cannot see how this Nazarene, this Jewish Nazarene from this insignificant place could truly be the Messiah. They they saw his miracles, but they passed them off. They dismissed them. They, they ignored them. They did not listen to his words. That's all. These are all symptoms of spiritual blindness. Do you know Jesus Christ as shepherd? Do, have you heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved? That's a very important question. Because you see, you're not one of God's sheep unless you've heard the voice of Jesus Christ and you follow Him. There's a lot of misinformation about the sheep. The sheep are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to salvation. So we have this astounding story where the Lord Jesus in chapter 9, I won't read it all. He's going along the way in verse number 1. He sees a blind man who's born from birth. He goes over and uh, has a discussion with his disciples. But then he comes to this man. Think about it now in your mind. Imagine this in your mind. Here's this blind man just there. He's blind. He's a beggar. He's been this way his entire life. We don't have his age. We don't know how old he is. He seems to be of such an age. His parents are still alive as we saw, as we'll see in a minute. But he's, uh, he's blind and he's a beggar and he's in a desperate condition. And all of a sudden he hears the voice of someone. You see, Jesus came, John 9, 6. He spat on the ground, Jesus did. And he rubbed the dirt together. His spit and the dirt together. And he put it on the man's eyes. And in verse 7, he said to him, here's this man. Here's this blind man. He cannot see, can only hear around him. Now he hears a voice. He hears the voice. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So... With this strange ointment on his face, on his eyes, this, he goes and he washes. And when he washes the dirt off of his face, he can see. For the first time in his life, he can see. He can physically see. Well, this is an amazing uh, miracle. And all of his friends around, they don't even know what's happened. He comes back and he can see and Everybody's questioning, well, is this the man? Is this the same fellow? And who is it? And he says, well, I'm the one. 
I'm the one. And then he gives his testimony to these. He says in verse 11, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and received my sight. That's a great description of hearing Jesus Christ's voice and doing what he says. Beautiful, beautiful. So he goes and he's, he's experienced sight. So now all of a sudden he's brought to the religious leaders in verse 13, the Pharisees. They brought him to the Pharisees. Um, the man who was, notice, formerly blind. Now he can see. Now he's seeing and he sees all of these people for the first time. Perhaps many times he's heard their voice. Well, then he goes through and we see a number of things that happen. So I have several observations for you this morning from the text. And let me just, I'm, I'm not going to elaborate on all of them, but I want to give them to you because they'll help you as you follow along. First of all, Jesus Christ gives sight to the spiritually blind. This is the, this is the truth of the gospel that we see here that ties to this great truth about Jesus Christ being the door of salvation and being the good shepherd. Number two, Jesus Christ reveals the spiritual blindness of unbelief, as I've been already talking about this morning. Number three, Jesus Christ is the true shepherd of souls, believing souls. And Jesus is the door of salvation. And Jesus Christ is the good shepherd of those who believe in him. So that's the way I'll take you through these verses of uh, chapter 9 all the way through 10. You follow along with me. We'll look at the highlights we don't have time to read it all, but I want us to see it today. So again, the focus of these now is this man has been, <clears throat> this man has been dramatically, miraculously healed of his blindness from birth. He can now see. Now he goes to, among the religious leaders. You would think there was a there'd be a celebration. You'd think that they'd be cheering. You'd think that they'd be rejoicing, but this man turns out to be interrogated like he's on trial. And all that's happened to him is he's received his physical eyesight from one named Jesus. So he declares it. This is what I did. I went and washed and I'm healed. So we see here, first of all, how Jesus gives sight to the spiritually blind. Look at this experience now that happens. Well, the controversy over the man is great. It happened on the Sabbath day. I'm just reading along here. John chapter nine, verse 14. It was on the Sabbath when he was, when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. The Lord had a, had a method of healing uh, broken people on the Sabbath day to make a point with unbelievers who misunderstand the word of God and misunderstood Sabbath. He would do this quite often to the frustration of spiritual leaders of Israel who thought they knew the Bible better than Jesus Christ, the Lord, the God of the Bible. Well, here we have it. It's on the Sabbath and they're saying to him, uh, he says, they, they ask him again, how did you receive your sight? Verse 15, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see this is what happened. This is the experience I've just had. He describes his experience, but we see here how the Pharisees felt about Jesus Christ. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe of him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents. Then the parents said, well, he's of age. He can tell you what's happened to him. They did not accept and believe that Jesus Christ was 
the Son of God, verse 22, the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. That's what these religious... These religious leaders were about themselves, controlling their power. They were, as the Lord is about to say, thieves and robbers. They treated the people of God, the children of Israel, as if they owed them something and that everything belonged to them. They truly did not shepherd God's people as they were to do. So Jesus gives sight to this spiritual, uh, this, this blind man physically, but he also gives him his sight. Well, longer the short of it is they put him out of the synagogue. We read these sad words in verse 34 after they, after they heard his testimony. The man says to them, uh, he says, I was blind and now I see. This is what's happened to me. Here I am. You know me. I used to sit out here outside the synagogue. Here I'm the same person. I was blind and now I see. Verse 25. Look at the insistence. The, the, the picture of this is so incredible. When you and I come to know Jesus Christ and we go back and talk to our friends and they look at us and they say, are you the same person? Are you a different person? Yes, I'm a different person because I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've, I see in a way I've never seen before. I see the old weariness of my old broken life. I see the old emptiness of the way I live, and I've come to Jesus Christ. I'm a new person. Here's this man who yet does not experience, has not yet experienced the new birth. He's about to, but he has his physical sight, and the Lord Jesus has done this great work of God in his life, and he's standing there saying, I was blind, and now I see. We, we say this to our friends all the time, and despite the fact that they see in us that we've been saved, they will not believe. This is the power of unbelief. This is why we saw last week in John 8 that the evil one blinds the minds of those who do not believe. This is a very important spiritual matter. Why will people not be saved? Because they are blinded to the truth of the gospel. And so we must share the gospel. And as I've said to you before, dear friends, it is a sacred matter. It is a sacred matter to know that as we preach the gospel, we call on people to believe and God does His work of drawing them. It all goes together. All of these mysterious, glorious things are put together and we see them woven together in John's gospel. Not one of them is more important than the other. And so in the depths of their unbelief, they did not believe. And so what happens... Well, they put him out of the synagogue. To be thrown out of the synagogue was a terrible thing. You lose all your relationships for business. You lose all your relationships with your family. His family wasn't going to be around him. They were afraid. Oh, the peer pressure. Oh, the peer pressure to not say that Jesus was the Son of God. So they put him out. And look at these precious words. Verse number 35. Now the Lord Jesus is about to give a man who's received his physical sight, his spiritual sight. Look at this. Beautiful, beautiful words. They put him out, verse 34, and Jesus heard that they had put him out of the synagogue and finding him. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus Christ does. He seeks and say, he seeks and searches for the lost who will believe. He's searching. I, I'm going to ask it later, but maybe this is a good time to pause to ask you. 
Do you remember where you were when the Lord Jesus found you? Do you remember? Well, if you're saved, you remember. Do you remember where you were when Jesus Christ found you in the depths of your sin and unbelief and spiritual blindness and filth of sin? Do you remember where you were when the Lord found you? Well, he heard that he'd been put out of the synagogue, rejected, thrown out because simply the Lord had healed him. Done this miraculous work and he says to him, do you believe in the Son of God? I'm reading verse 35. He said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He wants to believe in the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said, you have both seen him and he is the one who is talking with you. He says the same thing to this dear man that he said to the woman at the well. Oh, how he declared his glory to these dear broken sinners. And what does he do? Verse 38, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He experienced spiritual sight. Have you? Believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you just a religious person? You like what goes on around here? It's kind of like a nice club to be a part of. I mean, you know, we can hang out together. We're all friends in the neighborhood. But you don't really care about all of these things about Jesus Christ in a serious relationship with Him. Well, then you're still in your sins and you're going to hell. You must know that. You're still in your unbelief. And if you don't care about what I'm talking about, that's another example of your unbelief. Your inability to see. What a beautiful picture we have here of this blind man who shows us what it means to be set free and to see Jesus Christ. Well, it goes on here. And the Lord Jesus says, For judgment I came. I'm reading verse 39. This is a very important truth. This goes to the second point. That Jesus reveals spiritual blindness. If you want to know if somebody is spiritually blind, listen, just start talking about Jesus Christ at work. <laughs> if you want to know uh, whether people are spiritually blind and you go to school, well, just go talk about it at school if you're allowed to and see what happens. Talk to your neighbors about Jesus Christ. Talk to your family about Jesus Christ. Heard somebody tell me the other day, in their family, it's off limits to talk about religion or politics. In their family. What in the world? You got rules for you can have meatloaf together? What kind of thing would that be? I'm not coming to your house, friend. For judgment, I came into this world. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, here's, here's judgment now takes place. Judgment now takes place so that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. What's he saying? When, you, when Jesus Christ is put in the center, you either see Him and believe, or you do not see Him and you do not believe. He is, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the judgment that comes. And by the way, the decision you make about that determines where you spend eternity when you die. This is the judgment. This is what will go along with you all the days of your life until you finally finish. I am appealing to you today, my friends, because of the urgency of believing in Jesus Christ and appealing to all of your friends and neighbors and family that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. They are under judgment. And as you disbelieve in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what I find? It's really hard to talk to 
adults who have said no to Jesus Christ all the days of their life. I'm not saying they can't be saved. But there grows a hardness. There grows a hardness toward the things of God. The longer you reject and say no to Jesus Christ. Oh, the hardness and blindness of living in sin. They were blinded, these, these Pharisees. So they hear him say this, and here's what they say in verse 40. We're not blind, are we? And the Lord says, verse 41, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, we see, your sin remains. What is the Lord saying? He's saying, well, the spiritually blind don't see and understand that they have sin. They think they're fine the way they are. See, that's the nature of spiritual blindness. I don't need to be changed. I don't need to be saved. But also spiritual blindness is that, that those who do not believe, who refuse to believe Jesus Christ, are blind and they are still in their sins. That's a very important verse for another time. I only remind you of this because the Pharisees are a picture of blindness of unbelief. They were blinded in their legalism, their pride, their self-righteousness. They were blinded by their hatred for Jesus Christ. So what do we get to? Well, Jesus then declares what a real shepherd of God's people looks like. Chapter 10. He says, truly, truly, two times. Verse 1. He says, truly, truly. But I'm reminding you again that he's saying truly, truly to these religious leaders who oppose him. He's not speaking to his disciples. They're hearing it. He's speaking to these who do not believe. And he declares, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, a sheepfold, where the sheep are kept safe. He's using the image of sheep because these Pharisees were to be shepherds of God's people. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. You see, you climb in some other way to get to the sheep, but going through the door, you're a thief and a robber. You don't care about the sheep. You care about the sheep for yourself. That's what the, that is the indictment Jesus has on these religious leaders. They did not care to shepherd God's people according to God's ways. But then he describes for us, and this is where I want to pause for a moment and let you see. Here's the true nature of Jesus Christ as the shepherd of those who believe. Look at this. He says in verse number 2, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. When the shepherd goes in, the doorkeeper opens. And notice, please notice what happens. It's a beautiful relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. And the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And he calls, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Did you see that? This is the nature of what happened to you when you got saved. This is what happened to you because the Lord Jesus was preached to you. Shared with you. You read about the Lord. However you heard about Jesus Christ. Whether with someone's words or on a printed track or a, a Bible. or However you heard. Someone on the radio. Someone on uh, technology or the internet. You heard about Jesus Christ. You heard about Him. The shepherd, You heard His voice. And He called you by name. He spoke. It was like He was speaking directly to you. It's like you were sitting there and thinking, what is happening? God is speaking to me, talking to me about all these things in my life. He, he calls to his own and what happens? They follow him and he leads them. That's the normal Christian life. I've asked this church many times, 
we have as our first commitment as a church that we will follow Jesus. Love others like Jesus and tell the world about Je those three things we've said we would do as a church. I'm asking you this morning, are you following Jesus? I'm asking you this morning, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you committed to do what He says to do in the Word? Are you committed to speak with Him and to pray with Him? Are you committed to Him as the only way to eternal life? Are you willing to go to your death following Jesus Christ if no one else will go? Are you following Jesus? I'm not asking you if you're religious. I'm asking you if you're desiring to be with Jesus Christ like a shepherd because your life depends on him. You see, sheep are dependent completely on a shepherd for their defense, for their food, for their life. Sheep are completely dependent on a shepherd. And if you are here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are one of God's sheep. You have believed in the Lord Jesus. The Lord said in John chapter 8, I quoted it to you last week, as the Lord was having that very hard discussion with the Pharisees again, who would not believe. The Lord said in John 8, 47, He who is of God hears the word of God. I ask you today, do you know the sweetness of these words? That the doorkeeper opens and the shepherd speaks. You hear his voice. He calls you by name and he leads you out. And when he puts out his own verse 4, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Wherever he leads, I will follow. That's what we sing. Wherever he leads, I will follow. No turning back. Are you following Jesus today? Well, we go on and we see now that the Lord Jesus declares this strange word. He's trying, well, he says all of this and verse number six, as normal, these unbelieving religious leaders who, know, who knew the Bible very well, by the way, they knew the Old Testament. Verse six, this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand. Of course they didn't. The Lord Jesus spoke many things and their hearts were hard and they would not understand what these things were that he'd been saying. So he says it again. He says to them, as I read earlier, verse 7, So Jesus said to them, these Pharisees who do not believe and understand what a true shepherd is, first he says, I am the door of the sheep. Sheep have to go through the door. They don't climb over the rocks. They don't climb over the sides to get into the sheepfold. The sheep go through the door. This is the normal pattern of Shepherds and sheep, they go through the door. I am the door. Please notice this. Stay with me. It's very important. Jesus Christ is the door of the sheep. Jesus Christ is the door to life, my friend. We have in this building all of the exits, the doors marked for how to get out of here. Marked on entrances on how to come in. Doorways are access points for us to come in and to go out. The Lord Jesus Christ is the access point. The Lord Jesus is the way to life, eternal life. The Lord Jesus is the way to salvation, salvation from your, from your sins. Jesus Christ is the door to life. He says in His famous words in the Sermon on the Mount, as we call it, Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate. 
You see, there's only one way to life, and it's through Jesus Christ. Not through multiple religions. Not through multiple philosophies, and certainly not by just trying to be a good person, because you'll never do that, nor will I. There's only one narrow way. It's a narrow way that leads to life, as the Lord Jesus said. It's a small and narrow gate, the Lord Jesus Christ, only one way. We declare to the world unashamedly that Jesus Christ is the door of salvation. Notice what the Lord says about this door in verse 9. I am the door. Listen, if anyone... See, this is always what we've read. We've read this in John from the beginning. I'm appealing, speaking to all of you and all of you who are listening. If anyone, young or old, boy or girl, men or women... Students, if anyone enters through me, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. She will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Lord Jesus is the door. When I go to talk to my friends about how it is they can escape from the misery of their sin, you know what I do? I take them to the door that leads out. Are you hearing me today, church? Take your friends to the door that leads them from death to life. Take them to the door. You don't have to make the door. You don't have to be the door. Take them to Jesus Christ and let Him do His work in their life. I am the door. Truly, truly, I am the door of the sheep. And every person in this morning here who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have gone through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't it glorious to live in the life and joy that comes in following Jesus Christ, our shepherd? Oh, the blessing. Which leads me to the final thing, that Jesus is the good shepherd of those who believe. Well, what does he say here? He's continuing to talk to these unbelieving Pharisees. We take these as some of the most wonderful promises. We, that is, we are believers who are sheep. We take these as some of the most wonderful promises in all of God's Word, and we should. It helps us to understand Psalm 23, doesn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I don't need anything. He leads me, right? He feeds me. He protects me. That's who cares for you is the Lord Jesus Christ. He cares for your soul. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd first, he lays down his life for the sheep. There is no, there is no greater sacrifice, no greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Is that what the Lord Jesus said? Aren't you glad this morning, my Christian friend, that Jesus Christ has died for you? I'm asking you, aren't you glad? Jesus Christ is the good shepherd who dies for the sheep. He is the one who has an intimate relationship with them. He goes on. He says, I'm the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my own and my own know me. The truest mark of salvation is that this morning you know Jesus Christ. It's real. You know Him. We've been looking on Wednesday nights in the group that study with me, Philippians chapter 3. Paul says the greatest ambition he had in his life was that I may know Him. That I may know Jesus Christ. That I might grow in my knowledge of Him. He prayed for the Ephesian church that you might grow in your knowledge 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, once I come to know Jesus Christ, I want to know Him more. I want to know more about Him. But for some of us, it seems that our relationship with Jesus Christ is simply one of words. We don't really have a deeping, deep growing relationship with the Lord. Then perhaps you need to consider if you're really saved. Because you see, sheep go to their shepherd. They go to their shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He was speaking obviously of those who were among the Jews. He says, other sheep I have, verse 16, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Oh, the great and grand and glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ for all these generations gathered up for the many, many millions upon millions upon millions who have heard, I have heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and I have stepped through the door of, my, of darkness into the light and I'm following Jesus Christ. It is the greatest joy in all of life to have a deep and growing relationship with Him. I am His and He is mine. I am His and He is mine. I can't develop this because my time is done, but you know, it's interesting at the very end of John's gospel, <clears throat> he records an incident that only took place that John and Peter heard. In John chapter 21, um, they finished breakfast. The Lord Jesus has breakfast and there's Simon, Peter, and, and there's John. And the Lord Jesus says, Simon, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. And he said, tend my lambs. He said again the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my lambs. It's interesting, Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.25. This is for all of you who are believers here. For you were continually straying like, like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. John remembered it and gave these words about the Lord Jesus as shepherd. So what do we remember today as we go? Well, Jesus Christ opens the blinded eyes of unbelief. If you're saved today, it's because your eyes have been opened by the power of God and you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. As you believed, God was working in your life to bring you to salvation. You went through the door. You went through the door. Spiritual sight comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You can't, listen... I'm glad people come to study the Bible here, and that's what we're all about, is studying the Word of God. But you cannot study the Bible enough to gain spiritual insight on your own. This was the problem with the Pharisees. They had no insight from the Holy Spirit of God. Their eyes were veiled. Spiritual sight comes from Jesus Christ. Listen, you'll never understand the Word of God, nor appreciate it, nor want to spend time in it unless you're saved and you have spiritual eyes to see. You see, Jesus Christ is the doorway to salvation from sin and we must go through the door and then we must point others 
to the door and encourage them to go in. Also, He is the shepherd and guardian of the souls of His people. And the believer's love for the Lord Jesus Christ grows evermore. We go to pasture with Him. We are with Him. Think about it. I walk with Jesus Christ. I'm following Jesus Christ all the way through this world of misery till one day He takes me to glory. What a great blessing to follow the Lord Jesus. So how do we use all of this in our life? I ask you one more time. Do you remember where you were when Jesus the shepherd found you in your sin? Do you remember? I hope you can remember. I hope you can remember where you were. When the Lord Jesus found you in your sin. If you can't, perhaps He's finding you today in your sin. Right here. At this moment. As He seeks to draw you. As He seeks to speak to you. As He seeks to call you. To come to Him. Step through the door, my friend. And be saved. Rejoice once you were spiritually blind, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Now through salvation in Christ, you can see. I hope you know this, that as a follower of Jesus, you see things that the world doesn't see. You see the invisible. You see the unseen. The world sees only what they see. It's the sadness of spiritual blindness. It's seeing but not seeing. As you see the world today... And you follow Jesus, you're not afraid. As you see the world today in the circumstances of life, you rejoice because the Lord Jesus leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have anything to be afraid of. His rod and His staff, they comfort us. He prepares a place for us in the presence of our enemies. And it just gets better and better in the world of badness and sadness. Truly goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our... Follows us. What's behind us when we follow the shepherd? It's coming behind you. Goodness and mercy. It's following you. Do some of you live like you're afraid somebody's following you? If you're saved, goodness and mercy is following you. All the days of your life. And one day, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can anybody say amen? Truly, truly, I am the door of the sheep. We're about to sing this old song. It's a good one. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us for our use. Thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus. Thou hast bought us. Thine we are. Blessed Jesus. Blessed Jesus. Thou hast bought us. Thine we are.